when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. What's good, Internet? It's September 30th, and you're listening to Waypoint Radio, episode 512. I'm your host, Rob Zachney, and I'm joined by Ricardo Contreras. Hello. Patrick Clappin. Hi. And Renata Price. Hi. Did you know that one euro is 1.34 Canadian dollars, uh, 0.89 British pounds, 141 yen, and 98 cents in U.S. dollars? See, this is why they shut down the Currency World Amusement Park. Uh, it was just like you showed up expecting a wild time, and it was just boring factoids like that. People like, Mom, I want to go home. I want to go. I want to go back to Small World. Uh, so, Patrick, I, uh, I'm, you know, I like to do my Christmas shopping early. Yeah, check a, you know, write a list, check it twice. Uh, and do you actually like to do that? Oh, God, no. How late do you buy your Christmas? Yeah. Oh, no. Like, routinely, I am there, like, yeah. three days before yeah, Christmas. Yeah, I was going to say, Rob, Rob is the dad, the dad at the mall. Well, got to buy mom a gift. What does she like? What does she talk about you with kids? Well, but this year, I think I think I figure out what I'm getting everybody. Uh, uh-huh. And that is the gift of uh, convenient games you can play anywhere uh, via the Stadia. That's great. Um, uh, yeah. Well, that's you know that actually works out. Just make sure they don't want to play it after Ju- uh, January eighteenth. Uh, also, I mean, you can just have it until January eighteenth, and you get that money back. You can buy a stock if you buy a Stadia right now. You'll you'll. Mm, st- I don't know that if that's true. Works? They're it's locking. They locked down the store. Oh, they already locked it down. Shit. They Damn. locked down the store. When uh, yes, the Google Stadia as a service is shutting down, um, confirming every cynical feeling people had when google announced this joining isn't there a website that is kind of a, a list of google, the things yeah. google, google is graveyard <laughs> um yeah google as a company has a long history of not just the typical thing that happens in tech especially where a big company swallows a small company and then just immediately shuts down the service that was beloved and made that country company interesting in the first place but has a habit of spinning up their own services only to have them unceremoniously uh, destroyed, uh, uh, you know, not that not that long after. And so uh, the latest uh, for the, the Tech Reaper is Google Stadia, which, uh, yes, will we'll shut down on January 18th, 2023. Uh, there's a quote from uh, uh, Stadia Vice President GM Phil Harrison, also known as the guy you shouldn't bring in to run your company because you have just signaled that it's going to go out of business at a later point. Oh, no. uh, a few years ago, we uh, also launched a consumer uh, gaming service, Stadia. While Stadia's approach to streaming games for consumers uh, was built on a strong technology foundation, it hasn't gained the traction with users that we expected. So we made the difficult decision to begin winding down our Stadia streaming service. Uh, and they say that employees on the team will be distributed to other parts of the company. And importantly, 
uh, as as was alluded to earlier, uh, if you bought hardware, if you bought games, you will just get all of that back financially. And as far as we know, as of this recording, not have to return any of that hardware because what would they do with it? They don't have any plans for it. So <laughs> they would rather you go to a Best Buy and recycle it yourself or repurpose that controller uh, which I think can be, I don't think it can be used as a Bluetooth controller. They always promise to turn on, like the way the Stadia controllers work is that they operate over Wi-Fi. It's like they communicate over the internet to for you to control the games as opposed to tied directly to the device. And I don't think they ever turned a Bluetooth on, but I think they're capable of it. And but you can plug them in as USB devices. There's a fucking anyway, Bluetooth plug- chip in there, and they haven't turned it. That was just off. I, th- I think that's true because I, I saw some people. Somebody will crack uh, it. Yeah, I saw some people belly aching that like, well, maybe they'll push a software update that finally turns on Bluetooth for the controllers. I was like, well, that's that's a nice wish, uh, but that seems very unlikely. They're going to push Patrick, out any additional features. Patrick, what so- about my my Life is Strange True Colors save? That is sitting. What happened? Uh, finish my- it. So I, I did finish uh, it, but what if I so, wanted to go uh, back? Of, if you, I don't know what happens if you if you load Stadia and then go to File Export Save as PDF. Like I don't know what that I don't know if, like what that does, but I think maybe that's an option for uh, you. Just save as web page, yeah, and see if you can put that on a USB stick. Uh, there are games. Can I mean, we I, I, make this web p of Life is Strange True Colors uh, you know turn what? into an executable? Can we can we start a yeah, Kickstarter just... to kill web p or whatever that format? That is hey, that it's thing. also Google's fault. WebP is Google's yeah. fault. That is yes. theirs. Yeah. Like, some, it should, I wish it was on they, this fucking list. They won't kill it. They won't kill it. I wish it was on the saddest. By the way, this is one of the... I'm looking at this list. Some of these are written with with a, 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 a grim tone. Android things. Killed nine months ago. Android things was an Android-based embedded operating system. Originally named Brillo. Aimed to run on Internet of Things, IoT devices. It was over six years old. Wow. That is the energy of every single one of these. And this just goes on for... Nothing but baby shoes <laughs> exactly. in the Google graveyard. Nothing but baby shoes for quite literally hundreds of entries. And, fr- and frequently, the, it also what makes it... The reason people chronicle this for Google specifically is that they are often, or at least frequently enough, killing things that are were well liked or had interesting intentions and they just you know like google reader is you know i think like one of the like one of the all-time favorites of of having rss essentially killed because they monopolized rss as a technology and then destroyed the way that people largely interact with Uh unless you're me still out here using rss on a daily basis hell yeah love rss what are you using Uh, feedly yeah yeah, Feedly okay. was the big one that popped up after, and I, yeah. I stuck with that one. It's like the best way to keep up with like little blogs that I'm not gonna like. I'm not gonna check my bookmarks to see like this obscure horror blog that gets update once a month. Right. Uh, so RSS still functions good for for that, so it doesn't get lost in things like Twitter. But uh, yeah, I mean, Stadia was the thing I reviewed when it came out. Uh, it's an interesting piece of technology. There's certainly, despite if you put aside the completely awful u.s internet architecture which is a big put aside um because it means that lots of places don't have the bandwidth to interact with a service like stadia may not have the data caps to interact with a service like stadia but if you like me believe that one way or another like sort of like cloud-based gaming is going to be some sort of important pillar of games going forward uh stadia at least proved that like you could be on starbucks wi-fi and play mortal kombat 
pretty fine, which is like, huh, okay, well, I don't know that I want to do this, but you can do it. And at some point, someone will find a interesting use for it. And that interesting use seems to be primarily like Xbox Game Pass and xCloud and things like that. Because the other thing that killed Stadia was, do you want to buy the game separately, expensively on a proprietary service that could get shut down at any time? And like most people said, no. Yeah, I think I think that's part of the thing is that, I mean, Google admitted that they were winding down Stadia support because they were like, we're just going to give this technology to other people. Because like right. we and like that's the that is the thing that Stadia will be remembered for. Um, I I wrote a news blog about this, but like I I Stadia will be remembered as being a messy first draft upon which all of its competitors iterated pretty much instantaneously. I yeah. mean, Stadia launches in 2019, uh, as does the first beta of Xbox Cloud Streaming, which doesn't get pushed to Xbox Game Pass as part of Game Pass Ultimate until 2020, and like by 2020. Game Pass is in enough of a a, a a spot, and and that streaming tech, f- even on Microsoft's end, is in good enough of a spot that like it just it just doesn't make well, sense. Well, and it's just a better, more compelling proposition where right, hey, you can stream games you already own. We're just going to let you do that either locally through your machine or remotely. Um, also, if you're on Game Pass, you're used to the notion that well, I'm just briefly licensing the. Like games come and go. Like that's just part of the, the notion of a service. We we have come to expect that games are going to come on and off unless they are owned by Microsoft. And so you have a more fleeting, you're, you're more accepting of the fleeting understanding of things coming in and out of that. Whereas Stadia's just value proposition made absolutely no sense. And then you add on top of that, like the way that Jason Schreier has reported that game, individual games cost Google tens of millions of dollars to get mediocre ports. I mean, that was also the thing. Like Red Dead Redemption 2, I remember playing that at launch. I was like, well, at least with cloud, like I have a shitty PC, like I should be able to play the best version of Red Dead. It's like, no, no, no you're not. You're going to play like a pretty mediocre looking version of it. And they pay like, you know, God knows how much money for your right to play something that was worse than what you could play on a high end Xbox. Is this given that they refunded everything? I think that's that that's the key. That is the, that is the key underpinning in this question. Which is cool. It, like that is that is, you know, I, I'm trying to give them too much credit, but like. I, I, someone just added me on Twitter and was like, I'm going to get $1,200 back from Google. It's like, good for you. Damn. Man. Shout like. out to that person. <laughs> uh, is this the biggest financial loss uh, ever suffered uh, in the games industry? Like, is Stadia the biggest financial failure that has happened? Because I'm trying to think of like something, like individual project that failed on this scale because I assume the hardware was sold at a loss. I assume that, like you said, in terms of like getting those ports, software was sold at a loss. Um, it seems like, like every single we, like, aspect from, of like, it. Like, you know, like, something like the Dreamcast sinks an entire company uh, and adjust for inflation. Like, who knows? But the I'm thing not- is, Google, even like even adjusting for that, Google could so effortlessly throw money at something like this. Right. In a way that, like, back then, Sega could not dream. You couldn't. That's what I mean. Right. Like, it's not just inflation. It's also the the, the ability to cat. Right. right. Like, where, uh, let's say they paid $30 million for Red Dead Redemption 2. Well, Sega never could have done that, even adjusting for inflation. Right. And also, mm. the, the, the financial scale that Google is operating at is just, uh, like, in, unfathomable. So... I'd say you have a good shot. I'd say you, you like on a pure money, even adjusted for inflation. Right. Like the the endeavor here is one of the more. If the goal was to produce a a service that made money over time, 
it's a complete abject failure. If it was like a more modest, like we're going to make tech that we're going to license to the video games industry and other industries, uh, that's low latency. Um, maybe that works out. I I don't, that also seems kind of like a a face saving measure. (laughs) Like the largest, if not most, it's not the most significant, but it is the largest L in video game finance history. Well, that also made such a big deal of it. Like, you know, like uh, uh, Frank Cifaldi of the games uh, history. Mm, I'm getting his, I'm getting the, 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 the organization he works for wrong. Um, they collaborated with uh, Google to put on their uh, original event for, um, for Stadia. And had the gall to, like, have them uh, get out ancient hardware, physical hardware, to be list like shown in a museum like presentation to show like this is where games were, and this is where we're going. Right. So it's like one thing to announce your like here's an initiative we're interested in games. You know what I mean? Like there's there's like a level of hugeness that Google applied to this was that not that. You know, like kind of like how Apple, like Apple makes games sort of, but like they didn't say like we're out to dominate the video game industry and change everything about it. And Google was like, there was the NES and then there was Stadia. And these are the two. This is the direction video games are going. Mm-hmm. Um, it might be wrong. I might not be wrong about where some games are going, but the 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 level of import uh, importance they put on their own initiative makes the L that much, so much bigger as a result. <laughs> and so much tastier. What a delicious L. <laughs> Rip to the people who really like Stadia. I'm sorry yeah, for your loss. Like I but the $1,200 you got, you can probably put towards a console. That's true. Uh, and they're a little more easy to track down. Like I had someone write in to me. Let's see. What did the... Um, Goodbye Stadia. Hello, 4080. A, yeah. Well, you need a PC too. <laughs> Um, uh, someone wrote into me. They they were they were pretty bummed about Stadia going under. Um, they wrote to me uh, and said uh, the Stadia was a way for me to get access to AAA games without incurring the hardware cost. At this point, I'll either set out the current gen games so the consoles are cheaper, or there's a really compelling game. The secondary use uh, case for Stadia was to play kids games. I have a preschooler and a grade schooler, but the Switch is more than sufficient. Uh, even <laughs> even if they really liked the Paw Patrol game, I guess there must have been a Stadia exclusive Paw Patrol Aww. game. Um, I think Google's decision to refund purchases is really honorable. I've got three months to finish the games I've started, so at least we've got uh, enough advance warning. Um, and so I think there are probably a decent chunk of people who it was just, you know, is like it's a pain in the ass to cat to, to like try and check down a PS Five. Yeah, like everything's really expensive. Stadia Pro is a pretty decent deal that frequently had. Uh, some pretty big, pretty big games on it, and if you're more of a casual game player, like I, I could, I could see why it, it might have been good enough. Not like that's probably not a huge <laughs> measure of the population, but uh, it and it's it's probably slightly higher than the Arrested Development uh, never nudes of there are dozens of us, dozens. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, but, but I was not looking, quite. I there? actually was looking at people doing math. I, I found some Reddit posts from like the Stadia Reddit of someone mm-hmm. trying to do the math in terms of like users. And they were like, based on like, uh, this is like pages of pages of estimation, like explaining like process. They were like, I think about 220,000 people, uh, 240,000 people are actively using this device. Yeah, that's not a lot. No. And uh, yeah, Rob, you maybe saying, actually more than I, mean, I would, have, would have thought. Like 240,000. Yeah, it's fairly people pop- is it, are living is it, the Stadia life. 
It was a fairly popular way to play Destiny. I was going to um, say five to seven thousand of those <laughs> were apparently Destiny on its own. Yeah. Um, like I, I, I had friends that were not a big Stadia people, but like for example, on the Steam Deck, th- it was a way to like do Destiny grinding and you know other other sort of things by just logging in through the Edge web browser and playing Stadia because you cannot natively play Destiny on the Steam Deck unless you like load in a, a, a installation of windows which currently is a huge pain in the ass uh so you know like there were use cases like that like the most frequent person i heard that used stadia was someone who's like i was in the hotel and i would just load up destiny and do a couple of things and then turn it off mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. and that's tough to build a business around um and will be made up for by other services that provided well and, and that's and i mean that's G- kind of geforce now is a better version of stadium it's on tv anyway. i was just yeah. looking yeah. that up like yeah, that yeah. is getting built in like tv app integration and that i think like the value proposition that something that stadia can really fill is okay you have a nice tv you don't want to fuss with like setting up a console etc uh how do we make that easy and stadia was like sort of first through the door but still didn't make it easy enough right and and now you have services like geforce now that are like well and and, and the games ran not great especially if you're mm-hmm. playing high-end games like yeah. it's amazing rob like not that long ago i was at uh a buddy's house and he has a nice downstairs incredible theater set up 4k projector oh, it's it rules um and I was like, hey, I want to – NVIDIA, like, bumped up my press account to, like, NVIDIA – not pro, but whatever. It's like you get, like, the high-end gaming machines, um, and – but it's still cloud-based. You're still getting, like, an instance of a PC that is streaming back down to you. But we, like, brought over uh, uh, a setup for we, – we, like, got that all set up, hardwired uh, it, so it was, like, getting the best possible internet um, and had, like, the GeForce Now, like, 4K, whatever, and – we plugged that in and like tried three different games. I mean, better than any machine I'm ever going to own and like could not tell on the latency. Occasionally it would artifact, but it was like, holy, like, ho- like holy shit. Like when it works, yeah. it yeah. works. Um, and that was just leveraging my Steam account. It's like I already yeah. had Guardians of the Galaxy. I could just yeah. log into that instance of PC and and leverage what I already had. Um, and that was one of the re- one of the things that why Stadia never worked out is like, well, what if if Stadia could have like gone a Stadia X Steam? It's like, hey, your Steam library can suddenly, uh, you know, be streamed. Maybe that would have been interesting, but um, that would require all the folks who publish on Steam to mm. be okay with that, which is what GeForce ran into. G- like GeForce now started as, do you want to just stream every game you've got on your computer? And then a bunch of companies were like, we did that wasn't part of our agreement with you. Uh, and then suddenly GeForce had to. Make individual had slightly ruined right? their service. Yeah, uh, kind of. So, yeah, kind of. Yeah, which it, it's still like still a decent library and all, yes. but it still uh, has most of the things you would want, right? And also, it's like it, it's just it's a sort of a classic. Like I feel like it also was uh, like a lot of uh, publishers shooting themselves in the foot too, where it's like just like ma- like people who can't afford a machine that can run this machine run this game that would be exciting right. like they can afford geforce now let them go to steam buy that game give you money uh and then they can do that i also right. never got the sense that it was legally enforceable it was more just publishers going to nvidia and being like i mean if you don't take it down we'll have issues elsewhere and so yeah. nvidia just sort of yeah. okay yeah right, i guess <laughs> um, which sucks 
Yeah, but yeah, I, I but I do think for people who are missing Stadia, like the the niche is already basically filled. It will not take yeah. long before the the Stadia shaped hole in people's hearts is uh is is filled. Um, okay, you know what? I was gonna do this toward the end of the show, but it actually just is too perfect a segue. So speaking of gadgets, uh, and uh, people having weird relationships with them, Patrick, yeah. uh, I just have a note here to yeah, please you ask you. Uh huh about how things are going with the sono speakers the sono speakers are fine they're probably gonna have to come in it's getting a little cold they're they are weatherproof but i don't probably shouldn't stay out there you know through the winter as we as we as we head in that you're direction. looking out the but, window they'd appear to be huddling closer and closer to well, like the dryer you know, event. if the, they're the, cold, cold. The, the um it's the fall and so you know like yeah. uh, you know like the, the grass is damp and like you know things are like that happening it's like probably not what you oh, want oh yeah there's the humidity like nightly cycling like yeah, they might just, already be borked honestly yeah, but no they're no they're fine i i use them to watch some a movie out the, out there recently but they need to come in but um around so people uh if, if for some reason uh, you didn't listen previously i got these two sonos move speakers which are 400 bucks a piece because an illinois passed a biometric like privacy law that a bunch of companies immediately violated and then had to start paying out checks to Illinois residents. Uh, And I, so I got 400 bucks from Facebook, which then I spent on a Sonos speaker that Sonos then accidentally sent me two of. And because of FTC laws that if a company sends you something and they don't charge you for it, it's a gift and you can keep it. And, and, this, and, and Sonos did this to everybody. Like Sonos had a very bad week. Mm, so where- Sonos, well, I got lucky. Some people got like six thousand dollars on their credit card, um, and like uh. <laughs> fifteen devices in the lobby of their apartment. Um, so I got extraordinarily lucky. But uh, in addition to signing up for like every other, like by like a bunch of other companies, Snapchat, like everyone else was violating this law as well. So I'm just waiting for some like different measures of checks to start rolling in. This is unrelated to that. We'll get like I haven't gotten any of those yet. Those are in various degrees of settlement and payout over the next year or so. When this happened, one Ricardo Contreras sent me a message that I believe you saw on an Instagram post. Yeah. Um. Do you remember this? Yeah, yeah, I remember. It was like some legal like, hey, if you live in Illinois, I think specifically, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I was like, I don't live in Illinois, but hey, Patrick, um, <laughs> I just got this Instagram ad feeded to me about, was it specifically Sonos again? Or was it so a- specifically about because the Sonos speakers right. can have like a, a Google assistant yeah. uh, on it? Mm-hmm. Something I don't know. It was about like Basically, an was assistant like, listening. Hey, they're listening to you. Yes, exactly. And we're going to sue them for listening to you because I think this is based in the slightly overreactive notion that. Yes, they are constantly listening, and but occasionally they trigger by accident, and so then there are lawsuits filed based on well, that accidental trigger is just the company's listening to you, and so like it's true, but it's not entirely true, and then the companies pay this stuff out because they don't want to deal with the entire privacy implications of the shit that they're doing. So, of course, I sign up for this. They're like, we want to give you more money, and I have since made a pledge in my in my household that all money I get from corporations for violating biometric security laws. Thanks to Illinois. That just goes into a Sonos fund. I would like some more Sonos speakers, but I will not purchase them unless I get it through various infractions made on these on these laws. And so you sign up for these things. You don't hear about them for a long time. Right. And and then you just hope a mysterious check shows up in the mail. Friday, September 23rd, 2022. Dear Patrick, these are from the offices of Labaton 
such a row LLP, which sounds made up. <laughs> we represent you in connection with your claims against Sonos Incorporated for the company's years of wiretapping and eavesdropping on its smart speakers. Both state and federal law protect against the type of conduct we believe Sonos engaged in. These laws also provide statutory damages up to $15,000 for violations of their provisions. Sonos has not extended you a settlement offer. Instead, Sonos has extended a conditional settlement offer to certain other individuals we represent. As your attorneys, also known as I filled out a form, we do not believe this offer represents fair value for these claims. We believe we can recover far more for you if we proceed with your arbitration claim against Sonos. The conditional settlement offer to some individuals stated, in exchange for giving up claims against Sonos for wiretapping and eavesdropping. (laughs) Eligible users must prove they use a voice-enabled Sonos speaker prior to September 2nd, 2022. You listen to this fucking podcast? Yeah, you have that shit on on record. (laughs) There are videos of you using it. If, then Sonos will send uh, these people one Sonos Rome SL, retail value $159, at no cost. (laughs) And two, pay our law firm $75 in attorney fees. Again! We believe that this offer significantly undervalues the claims that you and others have, and we we strongly recommend that our other clients reject it. If you respond by blah, 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 we are able to answer any questions you may have. Sincerely, Labaton Suchero LLP. I consulted my family. We had a long talk. We considered, would we want a Sonos Rome SL? Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. And the whole reason we got the Sonos Moo was because we don't want that shitty little speaker. Right. We wanted the big boy. Yeah. We wanted to move, not roam. Those are different things. So we decided as a family, and we we issued our statement to to my lawyers. <laughs> I reject the proposed settlement. Uh, and so I look forward to hearing Sonos's uh, response um, up to $15,000. Or if you just want to give me another 400 bucks, I could buy another move. Um, <laughs> Well, actually, the Sonos Arc, their soundbar looks pretty great. Um, oh, my so, God. So, you know, I'm just I'm just out here waiting to see what happens next. Oh, I'm so Should I've read so that happy. out loud on a podcast? Hasn't gotten me in trouble before. Might as well just keep going. <laughs> what? So, Sonos what got, got basically, the way everyone gets got, I assume, mm-hmm. like, they have a, a, products that respond to voice. Yes. And then the mic was just open. And they are and they listening were because they, they need to done. hear the trigger. Right, right? Like the, hey, you know, insert thing that I don't want to set up everyone's devices listening at home. Yeah. Who might be listening to it on a Sonos device that has Google connected to it. Sorry, you can't sign up for this thing anymore. Like it's it's past. You had to get Cotter to send you that image <laughs> months, a year ago or whatever. Uh, yeah. And yeah, so like that's where this happens. Like these devices have to trigger off something. And so they kind of have, they have to be listening all the time. And so uh, to hear the insert trigger phrase. Uh, and so that's how I think lawsuits like this end up happening. Which These is- people tried to just give you your smart device that you wanted. Everyone's like, oh, mm-hmm. I want to be able to talk to my device. I want the convenience. Yep. And now they are being punished. People, people demanded. <laughs> I want a machine that eavesdrops twenty four seven. Good, ready to respond to my every whim. Yep. And now they're <laughs> being sued by people who are like, "Well, I didn't realize that it would be listening twenty four seven for <laughs> uh, to respond to my every whim." This is before the podcast. We were talking about a game called Foxhole, and I checked out the Steam reviews for the video game Foxhole. And one of the reviews was a story of someone uh, being bullied. 
uh, by an entire server of people into running mm-hmm. another one of them over with a truck. Uh, and that person was then immediately banned from the game. And voice-activated devices are the uh, t- technological equivalent of bullying someone into running someone else over with a truck and then getting them banned from the server. <laughs> Possibly. Uh, but if it ends up with the Sonos arc in my home, I'd yeah. settle Sonos. If you want to send me the high-end soundbar, we're good. Drop all claims against you for, as these people put it, wiretapping and eavesdropping on me. Those yeah. are that sounds like those are the sound bar. Those are serious charges. Those are serious charges. Yeah. Um, and uh, I I look forward to I look forward to hearing what what happens from here in six months when I get another email that says, "Could we just send you a thirty dollar gift card instead?" Well, listen, when I wiretap people, I had to give them two speakers. <laughs> Did you see Kimmy though? I did. That was a good movie. <laughs> They're gonna come for you, Patrick. Look, I look. I, you know, I, I never heard from anyone who worked within Sonos after I, yeah. you know, went through my entire saga on the podcast, and uh, I keep waiting for some sort of issue to happen with one of them. I was like, well, they even give me customer service. They shouldn't, probably. <laughs> but uh, so. Before we take a break, I, I think there's one other sort of saga of technology gone wrong that we should touch on. Uh, Patrick, you and I both have now started our System Shock journeys. Yes. Uh, how are you getting on with System Shock? I wish someone had told me I had. Rob, I spent an uncomfortable amount of time figuring out how to look around in that game. You didn't know about the mouse look. Well, I, well, I, 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 lo- I load up twitch.tv slash waypoint. And uh, I'm, like, I'm gonna check out this like f- this phenomenal stream that Natalie and Rob just did. Like, oh, they're just they're just moving their mouse around, looking at things. I'm like, all right, time for me to load up System Shock, get into it. I'm checking like which, uh, you know, th- th- this is one of those games like they don't do this anymore, but you know, like the uh, puzzle difficulty, cyberspace uh, difficulty. I'm like, what, <laughs> should I? Did they make any changes? With like, I did not go in your direction. I actually put cyberspace down to one and left everything else at, at normal. Um, and, uh, probably good call. And I, I frankly probably should put the puzzles at zero because then I'm now just looking up YouTube videos of wires being crossed and instead of trying to do it myself. Anyway, uh, you get into that game and you have to press E in order mm-hmm. to look around because that is how you swap between essentially the interface and moving about the world. But there's nothing about the game that, t- that tells you that. And so I, I was, I reset my computer. I uninstalled the game. Oh, no. I installed it again. Like I just had, it never occurred to me uh, to, to like press a button to unlock mouse look until I Googled it. And someone, someone had someone equally tortured. It's like, I've spent two hours trying to figure out how to look around. <laughs> wait, they wait, wait, to, like, this wait, wait, <laughs> hold on though. Yeah. I feel like the game had, pop-ups in the enhanced edition that showed like how this worked Ooh. when i started playing it i don't well, i didn't see any i right, feel I like somewhere that. in the interface um like right in the like first room you're in i feel like little prompts came up and i think it might have told you about the e thing i Maybe. i will confirm that i will download system i will start system shock uh tonight and i will tell you if this is the case i will i will uh, we will we will take patrick to court I, I might own, be guilty i'm not i'm not trying to dodge these yeah. these claims um i just know that the result was <laughs> so what's the settlement payment lo- then patrick <laughs> lo- <laughs> yeah uh they'll give you uh some military grade uh cyber mods 
if you just I gotta go into a coma for six months to to recover from it yeah yeah nobody needs to know about this no 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 uh yeah i i saw the two of you playing and thought i would dive in uh as well um like i have no history with system shock uh other than like many people like loading up system shock 2 after playing bioshock and being like i should see where this came from like playing an hour and just never getting back to it um so this is like a really good excuse to to actually see what it's all about that is you need like an hour to like sink into that game like it is look i know the games are old but it is it that took a while for me to sort of start vibing with it but now now i'm into it now i'm uh although i kind of i f- feel like i should, should turn the voice acting off i cannot deal with this the voice acting is different than no you got so but here's the problem the writing is much worse than the voice acting like that is <laughs> but i can read so much faster know, than but, the voice acting no but you gotta enjoy the little radio drama mm-hmm. that they're putting on for you Listen. Mm. See, I, I tend to like get all the data logs, get to the end of the level, and then I'm like, all right, time to spend 20 minutes reading these data logs, and then go in the elevator, and then go to the next one. Those developers each spent like two minutes in a recording booth for every single one of those, and and that was two minutes of their time well spent. And you should respect the two minutes they spent in that recording booth. Patrick, well, and some of them really nailed it. Some of them, it's like you really like the spirit of System Shock was in you, and some of them is like. Yeah, I too have to do things at work that I'm not really comfortable with. <laughs> uh, yeah, but it's uh, it's it's a funky little game. I'm excited for everyone to start uh, spending more time with it. It is uh, it, it's really unlike uh, a lot of things before and after it. it it's kind of its its own thing. Um, we'll take a quick break here, and when we come back, we'll talk about uh, something that seems maybe equally unique. Uh, back after this. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com. The number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Ren. Hi, Rob. Tell me of Terra Invicta. Rob, Terra Invicta is... You know how Paradox games have a have a reputation for being a, extremely dense and maximalist? Yeah. What if you took that as the middle part of the slider? <laughs> uh, what if you took a Paradox game and was like, that's the middle of the slider. And then you looked on the far right side of that slider, the far end, you, you will find Terra Invicta, uh, a video game that I would... Um, I hesitate to describe as what would happen if XCOM and Crusader Kings um, kind of did a fusion dance. I wouldn't say that it's 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 the child of those two things because that I feel like gives it 
a cohesion uh, and a like uh, a, a there true, would have been some sort of synthesis happening. A is... true synthesis. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. No, no. Rob Terra Invicta is a video game about staving off an alien invasion. I have played it for I think six hours now. I have not interacted with an alien invader once, other than being. Well, it sounds like, like you're winning. Let me see what that crash site is. Well. <laughs> Well, 20 hours in, no aliens? Uh, Invicta indeed, friendo. Well, okay. So, in Terra Invicta, you play as one of seven Illuminati-esque organizations, all of whom have a different response and objective surrounding an incumbent uh, alien invasion. So they Uh, know aliens are there? Yes. Okay. But the the people don't. No, the people do. Oh, okay. Everyone knows because an alien crash lands uh, on Earth and people are like, they did fucking what? And then they go to the UN and the UN is like, we don't know what to do. And then at the UN, these secret um, organizations begin revealing themselves. Uh, the general uh, organizations are the Academy, who want to befriend the aliens uh, their goal is to prove that they that we are equals to the aliens. We've seen the thing. We remember that guy. I think we've met yeah. the Academy. <laughs> yeah. The resistance. Uh, that is the XCOM faction. That is just that is just XCOM. Uh, that is also the default faction that they recommend playing as for the first time. Uh, there is the Protectorate uh, who want to submit to the aliens. No, that's the servants. Sorry, the servants want to submit to the aliens. Uh, there is Project Exodus, who want to basically be like, fuck Earth, we gotta Flee the solar go. solar system. That doesn't <laughs> this, seem like it's a good play. The mm-hmm. second mm-hmm. they show up, you're like, we gotta get the fuck out of here immediately. Uh, so there's that group. Uh, and then there is Humanity First, who uh, are extremely fashy. Uh, I don't think the game uh, is thinking too hard about what it means to have a fashy organization um in this setting and who would actually be a part of that organization and who would be considered human i don't think the game is 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 really uh thinking as hard as it needs to about invoking that imagery uh and then i think um i'm trying to remember what the last one is um there is one called the protector and i don't remember what their whole thing is uh i'll be honest i don't i don't remember that the, uh, the the steam yeah. page it says the protectorate advocates negotiated surrender as the only means to avoid annihilation. It sounds like a different flavor of the servant. Yeah, the servant is worship the aliens and believe they will solve the troubles of the world. Oh, okay, no, I actually, okay, I can sort of see that. It's like, oh, well, it turns out God wasn't real, but these aliens might be. Yeah, Mm -hmm. aliens are God. Aliens are God versus, yeah, yeah. The extremely sick thing about this game is you start as the resistance in the first few months of this game, uh, everyone was like, let's go the Academy. The Academy was the strongest faction in the world by a significant margin. Any any country you go to, you look at their population, you look at public sentiment, and it's like 30%. 30% of people are like, I think we should be friends with the aliens. And it's like, oh, yeah, F- half your country's undecided, but there's 30% who want to be friends. That's that's a significant share of, of, of public opinion. Wow. People love DT. People loved E.T. <laughs> all across the world. Uh, and I'm over there being like, I'm going to do a PR campaign over in Egypt to convince everyone that we don't need to be fashy about the aliens, but we cannot fuck with them. Uh, and so 
this happens, everything's going great for the academy. They are they are leading science. They are pushing things forward. Uh, and then a scientific breakthrough happens, where humans begin get the ability to be able to scan uh, and see the outer reaches of the solar system, uh, where it is immediately so see what the aliens are up to. Where it is immediately revealed that there is an obvious military base just just right behind a moon, and then at this point, and this is uh, part of why I think this game is legitimately sick. The Academy's public perception fucking craters. Uh, all of their holdings become up for grabs. They lose <laughs> all support in most countries. Uh, it is a it is a complete sea change. And basically, the game does the work of creating a factional superpower and then pulling the uh, legs out from underneath them and being like, guess what, fuckers? There's a power vacuum to deal with now. And it makes this incredible scramble where all of these factions, which were previously just fighting for scraps, are now taking huge swaths of territory away uh, from the former academy. Um, and it is it is really cool. And you are doing all of this by managing the week-to-week objectives of a handful of counselors. Uh, the game starts you with quick question. Four. Yes. Is this like paradox style, like continuous time or is it like it moves like there's a like time is sliced up into turns effectively? It is effect. It is continuous time, but you make decisions on it with a turn structure. Okay. You make certain decisions with a turn structure. Effectively, every for the first part of the game before. Uh, the, the the new normal sets in, which is a, another fun thing the game does. For every week, you get to give one of each of your counselors. Uh, you begin with four. Uh, so you begin with two, and you can get up to six of your own counselors, and then turn two enemies. But you give them each an objective. So, for example, I can be like, I want this activist to go to Egypt and do a PR campaign for the resistance and try and build public sentiment in Egypt around our cause, right? That is her goal for this month. I'm going to send this politician to uh, Nigeria, uh, a country that we have control over, uh, or that we have like a foothold in, and because the country is getting unstable, we need to to quell an insurgency uh, to make sure that the country doesn't collapse and we lose our foothold there and the economic benefits we get from uh, being uh, in control of Nigeria, right? Uh, quick question. Yes. Is it like a real world map of like all the countries are there yes. or do they like break it into regions where it's like once you get past like major countries in the world that are like recognized as like great like industrial and scientific powers do you get to like regional like you often see in sci-fi games, right? Where it's like, uh, you know, there's China and then there's Pacific Rim. So... No, it is it is doing a pretty okay job of making sure you are dealing with actual countries, uh, and like it's not gonna be like it's not that, going to. That, tell that means there's a that lot of potential places you'd send like representatives around. Like that is a lot of that is a that is a UN bureaucracy simulator you got running. Yes, there. it is. Uh, oh shit. <laughs> uh huh. Oh bo- boy, boy, is it? Uh, and so there's a lot of countries you can fuck with. Each country has a set number of control points and control points are what you actually like 
That's what you're really aiming for, because control points get you resources. So for example, if you control the U.S. mass media, are you literally directing what research is being done in the United States? No, you're not literally directing what research is being done in the United States. But if you control the U.S. mass media, you can change what people are interested in and are thinking about, and that'll get you the research. Uh, and so basically, you get to have these control points and set each the priorities uh, of what those control points are going to dedicate their resources to. Is this control point going to focus on education? Is this control point going to focus on welfare? Is this control point going to focus on its space program, its military? And there's like, I believe, 12 or so things you can have each control point focus on, mm -hmm. which makes up the... Um, policies of a given country is the balancing act between all of these things. Um, and so you gain uh, research points from countries, you gain money from countries, and you gain influence. Uh, those are the three main uh, currencies. And then there's the two secondary currencies of ops, which is your ability to uh, do uh, military effect on countries. Uh, so can you quash a rebellion? Can you uh, command troops effectively. Uh, and then there is boost, which is a mechanic I haven't touched yet because Terra Invicta is not a game entirely about playing on Earth. It has all of these systems for modeling politics, all of these systems for modeling what actors are doing on planet Earth where countries are and have influence. And then, eventually, after 10 years of playing that game, you go into fucking space and, and have space to... War. You have to fight space war. And boy, when I say you have to fight space war, I mean you have to fight space war. Rob, let me send you a screenshot of Terra Invicta from its Steam page where you can see that you are looking at the damage report on the on an individual vessel with individual parts of its hull being visible and like clearly able to take damage from other parts. It yeah. is it's it's it is borderline incomprehensible uh, in its scale. Uh, I have never seen a game like it. Um, so and it works mostly like it works. Your question. That's, that's kind of a question is like, is does it all add up to something like fun? The, the sort of militarized model UN you're playing. Uh, do, does it add up to uh a compelling strategy game in itself before you're while well, you're still not even dealing with space yes. war. Yes, it does. Because let me tell you how I took control of the United States government. <laughs> the U.S. government and China are the two hardest countries to gain a foothold in in the entire game because they have massive economies that are extremely difficult to take control over. I started as the resistance, which begins with a foothold in South Korea. South Korea has a pretty strong economy, and so you begin with one control point in South Korea. I bumped it up to two. From that point forward, I was like, okay, cool. What are countries that are going to be useful, but not too hard to get a foothold in? Because I think that the other factions will not be paying enough attention to them. Uh, and the countries that I selected as part of that, uh, as, as falling into that uh, category, were... Uh, Algeria, Egypt, Nigeria, and Ireland. Those are the four countries where I was like, these are countries with sizable economies, uh, really good research, 
developing uh, like developing education systems. Um, Ireland is actually extremely strong. Um, Ireland is the is the most stable at the get go of those countries. And I was like, okay, cool. I'm going to grab these four and use them as my base of operations. And so mm-hmm. I go in, I'm setting up these PR campaigns. I am, I'm bringing on more contractors at one point, I'm sorry, more counselors. At one point I add a counselor who is a fucking king. He's a crime kingpin, uh, which means that he is really limited in what he's able to do, but he's excellent at point defense. And he is able to sit down and lock down a location and make sure no one fucks with it, which is something that no one else I have access to can do. Uh, and so I'm playing this strategy game. I, I build a base of support in all of these countries. I take control. I, I get the control points I need. Great. Good. The money starts rolling in. The influence starts rolling in. I'm like, great. Cool, 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 cool. Let's begin a PR campaign in Canada and Mexico. And so I get to work with Canada and Mexico. I eventually, over the course of another few months, uh, build enough support in Canada and Mexico to be able to uh, grab stuff there uh, and and grab control points there. And then I have full control of Canada, Mexico, Ireland, Algeria, Nigeria, Egypt, and a foothold in Australia and South Korea. It is at this point my my characters are spread so thin because here's the thing, you can't have that many holdings because you have people who need to manage them. At this point, I start just draining yeah, that's resources. That's Crusader King's thing comes in. Yes. Yeah. You start draining influence because you're basically, you can't exert influence on the world because your characters are too busy dealing with the internal affairs of six different countries. Uh, and so it is at this point, I'm like, okay, cool. I have to start ceding control temporarily of these countries and hope that no one swings in and takes control of them while I'm gone. I start doing that. I gain a foothold in the U.S. Everything's great. And then I start caring about research because I have a huge research research budget now because the thing about the U.S. is the U.S., to be able to take it, you need someone with an incredible persuasion, uh, incredible persuasion stat, control of neighboring countries, and you need to dump a lot of resources into it. I do all of this. I have the research might of the United States behind me, which is an insane uh, amount of research, uh, like output. And then I realize that uh, there is your individual research goals, and then there are the global research goals. And here's the thing: the global research goals. The next, there's three of them. The next goal is set. By whatever, by whatever organization contributed the most to that research goal. I have some bad news. The fascists had been setting all of the global research policy for the last two years. <laughs> and that has put me in an awkward position. Where Sorry, how I, were they able to do that? They were able to do that by devoting their uh, research budget to global research objectives as opposed to their faction, their faction's own research objectives. So like 
they weren't building interplanetary warships, but they were directing the entire global research agenda such that only military development was being uh, studied. And we are looking at nothing in terms of communications technology, in terms of governance technology, which is shit that I need really badly. And then suddenly I'm like, oh, fuck, I accidentally ceded control of the scientific establishment over to the fascists. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh god oh no uh and that is the predicament that i have found myself in uh where there are all of these layers of compelling strategy that is extremely dense and like actively engaging um the like point defense you're doing um on your holdings is exciting and fun but there's so much it is very easy for details of the game systems to fall between the cracks in a way that leads to, I think, good stories. Uh, and as I play more, I will become more adept at navigating these systems. Um, but this game is super dense uh, in like the true meaning of the word super dense. Like it is it is black right. hole dense. Right. And that's the thing. Like, you, you, the, there's screenshots. On the, like there's, well, there's what you sent. And then there's like screenshots on the Steam store that's like prepare for like this is what characters in the expanse would be looking at to prepare like the next military move out in the belt or something where it's like <laughs> the fact that you get that entire like global strategy game where you're competing for influence and power uh and then that blends into a all right well now the time the time has come to send the fleets around the solar system and uh, boy, I don't know if you've gotten a, a taste for it yet or you, you've seen any evidence. Is this going to be like, does this feel like a game that's going to simplify space warfare? Or is it going to be like, so how good are you at Kerbal? Rob, I'm looking uh, at this. I'm looking at a screenshot. Uh, and here's the thing. I, I will uh, next week. I will have your answer because yeah. I will play. I will play the because it included in the. Uh, current early access build of the game uh, they have a section that is just like do you want to try out the space combat listen we know that the space combat is it's a lot do you want to just try that shit out uh and great cool um i will do that by next week because yeah. because this, uh, this just feels like it might be the sort of game that's like what you think you can just click on a place and it mo and move to it <laughs> it's moving too and then there's gravity so how are you going to navigate? So I'm, I'm very curious, like how, what, what restraints, uh, I, did the, did the long war team put on themselves, uh, I, with this? I'm, I'm very, I'm very keen to find out. I mean, the stats on this ship are not, are not, uh, are not suggesting simplicity. No. Dry mass, 17.168, sorry, 17,000 uh, tons. Wet mass, 36,000 yeah. tons. Current mass, 36,000 tons. DV, 22.3 KPS. Cruise acceleration, 77.9 milligees. Max combat <laughs> acceleration, 1.6 Gs. Turn rate, 0.0057 rotations per second. Heat sink capacity, 1,050 gigajoules. Length, 200 meters. B. 25 meters crew 139 right. it is breaking down the armor um distribution on a yeah. single class of spaceship it right. is the expanse is the best comparison i can think of this is a game this is a, hey you know y'all seen the tv show the expanse what if you were that <laughs>
yeah this this gives off strong strong vibes of that i'm i'm very curious how how far they how far they take that uh but yeah seems like I mean, a very cool and very wild game yeah on on the steam page it says tactical combat is built around realistic simulation of newtonian physics where momentum and maneuver in 3d space are just as important as the firepower of your ships like this is is it uh, real time? The Achilles what is heel. Yeah. Oh, yes, it's real time. Oh, Kato. This is what I'm like. I, I Yes, it's real time. Oh, my oh, God. Yes. So if memory serves, I mean, games that have played around with stuff like this before, uh, AI struggles with Newtonian uh, anything. But, but um, what if they figured it out, Rob? <laughs> maybe, you know, maybe they figured it out. Maybe, maybe they'll nail it. But uh, yeah, this this seems like an incredible project. Uh, and like an incredibly cool game. Uh, I'm, I'm keen to try it out and, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm eager to hear more, more findings, uh, as you spend, as you spend more time with the game. Uh, Patrick, you've, you've sunk a lot of time into, uh, Rollerdrome. Um, so this was a game that, uh, well read looked awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, I saw some like broadly, like people started having lukewarm reactions to it. I'm curious where you ended up. Uh, having put a lot more time into it. Well, I sort of uh, about halfway through this month started looking back at the games. I, I keep like an ongoing note of the games I've played throughout the year, um, like or that I put like real time into um, so that when it's the end of the year, I kind of have a sense of that. I've been doing that for like almost 10 years. So it's like kind of neat to look back at, at the stuff that you've played. And uh, all of a sudden I had like I had this concerning feeling that, uh, I was stacking up a bunch of games that I quite liked that I'd played for two or three hours and never quite finished. And and if I get too far behind looking at, all right, Bayonetta 3 is coming out at the end of October. The new like Mario and Rabbids is coming out at the end of October. Like even though 2022 had a lot of big games uh, pushed back in 2023, uh, I just saw the, like the rest of my year slipping away uh, on some of these games. And so I was trying to make a concerted effort before October caught up to me to go back to some of these. And one of them was roller drone, which has yeah, a, a sort of uh, Tony Hawk with guns uh, uh, from uh, roll seven, the developers of, uh, Oh, it's the skateboarding game. Um, it's now uh, coming off the tip of my lips. Ali Ali. Um, they made two of those, both, both excellent games that didn't quite click with me, but are the kind of thing that you look at and go, these are exceptionally well-made. The people that want this are going to be really happy. And Rollerdrome was a little more my speed, um, which you're like kind of playing a Tony Hawk sort of, uh, yeah, you're, you're in a dome. Oh, what's the, what's the, the eighties or seventies, uh, uh, the James Gunn sh- movie. Yeah. What's that? Yeah. yeah. Um, fuck. <laughs> I just talked about this. That, uh, come on. We, we both know what it means. Yeah. We you all know, know what that. it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. When I get, we could just sit here awkwardly until it comes to us. But that movie, it's essentially like you know, turn that into a into a game, um, and where you're you're connecting combos, roller uh, ball, rollerball. See, I'm the problem is like I kept wanting to go like rollerdrome. It wasn't just called. I know. I think rollerdrome threw us off because it was <laughs> yeah. so close. It was like, well, it's got to be something else. Battle, battle drone, battle skate. Right. Yeah. That's where my mind was going. Um. Hey, that's a movie we should watch sometime in my turn. I've never seen that, but I've always wanted to see that movie um and yeah it's like you're stringing together combos and there's like these challenges you can do and uh i think i where we left off was that i thought maybe this game was really interesting but perhaps uh I w- it wasn't quite clicking where i was able to put everything together to do like these high scoring combos uh 
And I was worried that I was going to fall into the trap that I did with uh, sort of Ali Ali, which is, oh, this is like really interesting mechanically, but it just like doesn't all come together for me personally. Um, and I ended that that last impressions with, no, actually, I've had a transcendent moment. I am a god. Um, I actually do know where the bullets are supposed to land, and they land in the skulls of my enemies um, in the middle of this arena. And then I came back to it and had a similar feeling, although for a game that dense, it's like, Part of the reason it was I had trouble coming back was like, well, I need to carve out 45 minutes to just get my skill floor back up to where I was before because it's not a game that you can just drop back into. By the time I did that, uh, came back to it, really enjoyed it. It's excellent. Highly recommended. That said, I ran into some of the similar issues I've had with a game like Ali Ali in which their challenges are they're really specific. They're really difficult. Um, and what I found was about halfway through the game, which is not long. I probably played six, seven hours at most. Uh, the challenges were just so out far, like the realm of me completing many of them. And I was going to have trouble. Maybe this is just a me thing. But if I have a list of challenges and they're all being presented as you should be able to do all of these. They're not in tiers. It's not like a platinum trophy, a gold, a silver, a bronze. It's like, no, here are just challenges listed in a row. If I can't do all of them, like it's going to really bug me. And so it becomes like a zero, like an mm-hmm. all or nothing proposition. Can I do all of these challenges? No. Well, then I will I will choose to do none of them. And so it was actually a better uh, proposition for myself more broadly because this game's difficulty goes through the roof about halfway through. It just becomes like you're just sweating to get to the finish line on a particular arena, let alone, hey, like, why don't you go over to, like, this specific spot of the map and do this specific move while 25 enemies are, like, hailing bullets upon you um, and you're dodging rocket launchers and grenades and, and all this nonsense. And so I ended up just focusing my efforts on getting from one arena to the next. That proved very satisfying. And the end of the game is a nightmare, but is one of those moments very similar to a game that I've I'm compared it to in the past, Boomerang X, in which... uh. I like games that force me out of thinking what I'm doing and and put me into a place where I am just instinctually reacting based on what I've learned. And it's really difficult for a game to put you in that place because it sort of requires a level of difficulty that is going to put a lot of people off. But when you get there, it is one of the most satisfying things in games as someone that finds action games and platformer games to be. Like, that's the place that I derive the most satisfaction from games as a medium. And, like, Roller Drum eventually got me there in the back half, and it was fucking awesome. And I didn't care that I wasn't doing any of the challenges because, uh, I like, the sheer challenge of just getting <laughs> from point A to point B uh, was enough. And so I feel like this game kind of came and went, kind of got uh, lost. I think part of that is explained by how difficult it is. Um, um, people have since written in that there are, like, really good options in these accessibility menus like to just turn on like this game is still fun if you turn on like invincibility if you just don't worry about death and you can just focus on shooting the enemies and skating around and not having your chains broken because a laser robot has snipered you from literally across the arena and you mistimed your uh roll by like a fraction of a second which is what otherwise what you're doing uh it's just really good it's people are going to forget about it by the end of the year. And there's going to be like three people going, Roller drum was one of the best games this year. And I will, I will probably be one of them. Uh, and it was, it was reconfirmed by getting all the way uh, to the end. So roller drum highly recommended. 
the James Conn movie. I'm not sure, but people sure seem to like it. And isn't he isn't he in cool spandex in that movie? He's got a cool suit, right? It's more like it's more like a cool high. I mean, do you think 70s hockey uniforms are cool? Which, yeah, the answer is yes, they are yes, cool. Yes, He does look cool <laughs> in it. Uh, so that's that's basically the vibe there. Um, hang on. So Kato has been updating a sort of list of what they've been playing uh, lately. He's been recording, and and we got to just, like, I got to shit can the plan I had for for what we talk about. Because, Kato, you've been playing Inculinati. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> okay. So this is, <laughs> I did. This, like, this is, like, you, you that know, sounded I'm a made up. for. You know, I'm a sucker for manuscript ass looking games. Yeah. Uh, this was one I keep confusing with uh, Pentiment. Pentiment. Different uh, game. Different game. Yeah. But so fill me in on this Inculinati uh, situation. Yeah. So um, this game is, uh, as Rob mentioned, a uh, it is artistically based on uh, marginalia in like illuminated manuscripts from the Middle Ages, and the actual uh, gameplay itself is basically a turn-based kind of strategy tactics game where you are one of the Inculinati, which I guess is the Illuminati, but about ink that uh, can draw these little uh, marginalia, which are usually like animals with swords or funny little weird creatures that usually you find in like the edges of what is normally like a religious text, you know, back back in the day. A place where a lot of ribalds catches and yeah. like ended up or uh, uh, yeah. if you've ever like um monty python takes a lot of like their like interstitial illustration like inspiration from this sort of uh illustration um and basically as an inculinati you you can draw these little animals that come to life and you have these little these uh kind of tactical battles that play out on the page um and there's um essentially one one of the little creatures represents you your your they're called the tiny inculinati and uh you have ink that you pick up off of the field that is how you like draw more of these creatures is that like your mana essentially like that's that's how that's the resource that you're kind of trying to pick up in order to draw more creatures but on the on the flip side, because this is kind of the way the, the reason that marginalia existed is kind of as a diversion for people who for scribes who had been copying religious texts like for hours and hours. Right. And they would make a fun little drawing just because it's fun. It might not even be related at all to what the text they of the didn't work have slash back then. Yeah, exactly. This was their memes. <laughs> this was their like look at this funny picture of a snail that what, like what, has a horn. What if a like, satyr a satyr was pissing on a priest's ex- foot or yes, something? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly that. And so boredom is is a is a mechanic here where if you draw the same thing too many times, it costs more and more ink to draw it each time. Incredible. So yeah, they've they've kind of made this whole thing of like this is you're trying to just kind of like do this for fun and like so you you want to draw you want to you want to basically oh, this is one of the steam next Fex games this is one of the codes i yeah okay yes, yes. all right yes all um, right this looked this looked really cool i i i like this when this scrolled through my inbox uh i'm glad that someone tried it because it, it, it even just aesthetically i was like i don't even know if this game's gonna be any good but yeah this looks good as shit no it's neat i mean i thought at first i was like a lot of the earlier stuff, a lot of the like kind of more basic battles look like they're basically taking place on one plane. Um and like 
uh, I would imagine it's just like a back and forward like plane that has like let's say about 20 slots where a, a creature could be and then you just have to move them forward and backwards and it seemed like that doesn't have a lot of space to kind of expand just at first glance but what's interesting is that you you have um these kind of superpowers called hand actions where coming in over the page because all this is taking place like on a on a piece of pa- on a book on a manuscript you see the hand of the person who's actually drawing come in and like do something usually you can like move uh characters around you can do like an attack where you like try to smudge them out with your finger and (laughs) it's it's like an orbital strike yeah it's very silly and fun just like oh i can uh positional positionally uh it becomes very more complex than you would expect because when you do the hand action which is push which the enemy can also do the the character moves until there's a free space. So if you have a line of characters all blocked into one, and then the it goes all the way to the edge of the page, and they pick your first character and just toss them back, they won't stop until they run off the edge of the page and fall to their death. Like, they just fall off the page completely and die. So now you have to make sure there's, like, correct spacing. You don't want to, like... It, it becomes much more complex when you have to consider... At any point, if if I'm too close to my enemy, they can throw one of my characters off the page if I've positioned myself poorly, right? Like, they add wrinkles to make it more interesting, even though it's only a 2D plane. Um, and then, eventually, there, there, there are some later levels that, as I started to get in a little deeper, where you start to get different, like, vertical levels. But um, what's interesting is that, essentially, each of the... There's, like, dogs, rabbits foxes, various animals, and each of those types of animals have kind of different abilities. Uh, a, a, a thing in this game is, like, there will be bishops, there will be, like, clergy. They're usually cats. They're wearing little bishop hats. Um, and if you attack them, uh, you are marked a heretic, and then anyone on the opposite team does more damage to you. But if you're a dog, uh, you can pray and... Uh, get a halo to take a, take away that that heresy. Um, if you're a fox, you can never become heretical. If you're a rabbit, you're fucked. Someone else has to help you. <laughs> Rabbits instead have their they like kind of lean into the hereticalness and they will they will long range fart into the face of an enemy and cause them to lose accuracy. Uh, uh, it doesn't feel yeah like a great match for what a rabbit does but okay. it's just what they do i guess i mean uh it definitely feels like it's one of those things where somebody saw one of those like um you know when they like stick the like horn in their butt and like go boop have you ever seen those? Those that happens yeah. a lot. That, that that tends to happen a lot in like that's one of the funnier ones that gets shared more often. It's like some yeah. animal like playing a horn from their butt. Well, I guess yeah, <laughs> the, the hare is a creature of mischief. Yes, uh, yes. And like yeah, uh, so so, na- so it tracks that it would be a, a taunt, whereas like not a chemical weapon deployment the way a skunk would <laughs> imply. Um, um, had a skunk encounter the other yeah. night. It was very very near thing. And um. At a certain point, also, there is uh, an, apoc- an apocalypse. Uh, the, the, after a certain amount of turns happen, an apocalypse start uh, rolling up. Yeah, it's up. called the Enlightenment, bro. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, where, depending on what it is, it's basically like uh, one of the earlier basic ones is like 
there's just fire on each end. It gets drawn in as a sketch first, and then you have a turn to get out of the fire. And the fire is like an instant kill on all your enemies. And so it, there's like different pressures to make this not ever get drawn out. Like the yeah. battles are like nice and snappy. Uh, and there's just, it's just really funny. Like it's a really uh, kind of silly, exactly the like uh, Monty Python, Holy Grail, mm-hmm. like sense of humor to it, honestly. And like a surprisingly like intricate, like placement like situation yeah. like where i'm like better than it needed to be given the strength yes. of this conceit it sounds like yes the conceit itself yeah. is just like funny and like it it didn't have to like go this hard at the tactics and then it actually is like oh, okay i have to like really consider these things like because more than once i've accidentally placed a, a creature and just co- totally lost them to the enemy pushing them full off the full full all the way off the page um uh that's, yeah, I mean, I, I, that's I'm, awesome. It, 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 uh, and then like the, like, I'm through like one map essentially. They had, they set up it, they're kind of, sh- they're very short essentially, but like, uh, you get your like roguelike nodes map, you know? Um, and there's like a very light story of like your master who looks like a weird Yoda with fins. Uh, who's teaching you the ropes of being an include naughty dies, and then you have to uh defeat death in order to uh get him back. Uh, and it's just like it has this, it has the like standard, like okay, some of these nodes will heal me, some of these nodes will get rid of boredom, some of these nodes will um, you know, give me money, and all those sorts of things that like you know, sprinkle in some some more things to do in between battles, so. Yeah, overall, really, really neat game. Gonna definitely gonna come back to this as as because that uh, what I have right now is just the the like preview demo. But yeah, I'm gonna see how yeah, well, far yeah, I can get this will be part it. of. Yeah, this will be part of Steam Next Fest, which kicks off on Monday. Right. Uh, um, and we're, we're actually we, we this this will be one of the games that we yes. stream. Yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> next, <laughs> next Wednesday, uh, we had a lot. Kind of had a lot of fun. Downloading a bunch of random demos and setting ourselves like a 15 minute timer. Um, this is how we and, turn Patrick and, into a trad calf. Uh, <laughs> oh my God. Jesus does that, Christ. Does that have a, does that have a biometric? Did Illinois pass something against that? Do I answer the payout? Uh, Can no, I get a Sono speaker through uh, this? Pope John Paul II did. Uh, and people are, people are going to die mad about it. Mm, yeah. Makes sense. Well, oh. customer support. John, did Pope John Paul II Say something about Tradcaths? Uh, Trad Catholicism stems from people who reject Vatican II, which is his set of reforms that he pushed through uh, during his papacy, uh, which is also like JP2 is like a wildly popular pope and also yeah, a transformative yeah. one. Uh, and I, I do not say this to endorse JP2. Like a lot of other <laughs> so, things broke really, bad. It really sounds like you're watch. talking about some sort of like esports team. Like they got into some, <laughs> said some racist comments over the weekend. Like I do not mean to endorse JP2 and what he said, but, but, but you have but, to hand it to him. That guy so, put up numbers. <laughs> I just, I've, I'm used to, I'm used to people with Tradcath aesthetics. Uh, I've I've interacted with a lot of Tradcast aesthetics that never clicked. Yeah, uh, no. So like this is like tr- Tradcast has become like 
more of a weird subculture that's like not mainstream but just more like notable now but like it's been bubbling for like 40 years that people are just like pissed about changes that came along uh to catholic practice and worship uh a long time ago uh but anyway yeah this this looks this looks dope as hell um also a kickstarter game which is like you know we've that is now like a rarity it feels like i mean i'm sure small projects are still constantly happening on there in a way that uh is different than before when we had all sorts of massive games but uh well, became a mainstream channel for like board games and yeah. like upscale yeah. like minis and stuff. But yeah, this is, uh, yeah, it does feel like the we're kickstarting a video game wave like crested. Uh, well, like is, a, it's like a small team that like apparently was making this for years as just something as a side uh, thing. They raised seventy three thousand dollars, like a pretty modest amount of money to you know all told to to make this. But uh, it's really cool. It's a yeah. it's a really neat story. Like yeah. uh, I'm I'm excited to to see more of this it is so weird to me when you see something enter the like become the zeitgeist that seems like it has no business becoming the zeitgeist like why are this illuminated manuscripts yeah what is happening why yeah exactly what is (laughs) what What changed in undergraduate and graduate like art education or history education like had people get fired up about this oh i mean it's i i have a slight answer to this Mm. uh like People love weird little guys. <laughs> like, 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 no, I mean this, I mean this seriously. Like, I think that the uptick in people's love of weird little guys and sharing weird little guys on the internet has led to a lot of medieval manuscripts being like, have y'all seen this fucking frog? And if that happens enough, you have an entire like subset of people generationally who are like, who love looking at medieval manuscripts to find the most fucked up little dudes they can imagine. And they're like, Oh, I'm just, I'm a wash and fucked up little dudes. And then suddenly you have a, you have a uh, recurring art movement. I, uh, yeah, it is. I guess it is. It does sort of remind you that like they were not as removed from us as they sometimes seem where it's easy to look at the stuff that like ends up in museums and like in, in cathedrals or something and be like, wow, they were really devout and pious. And it seems like it was not a fun time to be around. <laughs> and then the marginalia is like, Oh, but they had, they had some thoughts. They had some fun. They had fun here. Uh, I, um, me, like I can mark a specific time in my life where I remember seeing more of them back in like 2013, because my partner mm-hmm. used to run the social media account for the Walters art museum. And what they would tweet out was just, images of the the manuscripts that they were digitizing there was a big effort uh in yeah. the in the late aughts to digitize as much of the manuscripts that they could there and there's some really neat stuff there they had a bunch of uh uh, n- uh near and far east uh manuscripts that like had never you know really been publicized widely that got just like you can l- use this image for whatever you want so like um by the way this is a complete aside uh and i hate to burn pod time with it but i just need to get this off my chest oh yeah you uh, hate it so much years, okay. years and okay, years Rob. ago um during a grim visit with uh like mk's family uh or just a family visit that was just un- interminable uh the only thing that like would pass time was we're just going to leave the history channel on uh at all times <laughs> but this was not like this was past the like it's all world war ii and secrets of the nazis uh, uh-huh. history channel this was fully like ancient aliens Ain- uh, oh, channel. but there was a long documentary that we ended up getting we shouldn't have let this happen but somehow we got invested in the saga of the devil's bible 
and it was all about like this Bible with a crazy devil picture in it that was like so intense that like, oh man, like what's this doing? It's too real. Like what sort of, what, what sort of person would create something like this? And then of course the Bible was cursed. Uh, <laughs> wild misfortunes attended to everyone who beheld the devil's Bible and the devil in it. And so it's like an hour of them interviewing, like we can't say whether or not the devil's Bible caused the revolution uh, in the Swedish Royal house that caused the, uh, you know, end of like, you know, th- those type of interviews and just constant, like what's, but what does it mean? Why would somebody create a devil worshiping uh, a devil worshiping Bible? And then the last five minutes of this documentary, they reveal what's on the facing page and it's heaven. It's it's a it's it's a two it's a two page layout and on the left you got hell and on the right you got heaven and that's it that's the mystery what's the <laughs> devil doing there because you don't want to go there you're going to heaven yeah uh, it was like an hour of that and it was wow. just like and also all their all their crazy curse shit it was, was like the, just European history was the it was left like, was the left was the right hand facing page even missing at least or was this just no, like a late no, reveal it was just no there. it was just they pulled the camera back. And the devil's Bible just has two really basic ass por- like portrayals of like the devil <sighs> and like uh, the holy city, the the uh, you know the heavenly city. That's yeah. it. Wow. Um, and then the rest of it was just like European history happened while this book was kicking around, and uh-huh. so they're like, did the did the devil's Bible do it? <laughs> it's like Incredible. no man, it was just on a shelf. No, this is Amazing. this is the best kind Amazing. of documentary to me. <laughs> this is this is the ideal form of documentary to me. This is the Crusader Kings of 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 documentaries. It, it, it left an impression. I especially did enjoy the uh, one of the experts they interviewed kept trying to be like, to, but to be clear, this is not a particularly important work, nor is it a particularly good example of the of the form of the illuminated bible <laughs> they're like i think like basically their thesis was like man someone but that was part of what made it amazing was like it appeared to be all single hand which they were like nobody could ever do that that was the other part no one could ever do this by themselves that was the other thing they reveal in the five, last five minutes no single human could copy out the entire bible and like illuminate it in this way and, and draw this art unless he were something like a monk with lots of time on his hands. Yeah, like, yes, they could. They did it all the it fucking time. It would have taken, like, 30 years of working eight hours a day on this thing to to generate this Bible. Who could have done such a thing in the Middle Ages? So, anyway, still mad. Gonna die mad about it. Uh, before we get to the question bucket, anything? Uh, y'all brought some games uh, that we haven't hit yet. Anything people are burning to uh, at least shout out before we before we dive into the bucket? Nah, I'll wait for mine for Monday. All right, I'll just say if there uh, there, there is a game called uh, Desta added to the Netflix app that you should check out. I'll go into it more on Monday, but we are now entering an era in which wait. Netflix is is publishing games that aren't available on other platforms. That are good, but you have to open the Netflix app to download it and play it. It's weird. Like the just the regular a- iOS app. Yeah, yeah. Do you pay for it? No, it comes with your sub. So you like log into Netflix. Then I, I forget exactly how the mechanics of it. Work, I but googled. Uh, I googled this, and there was a store, uh, 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 a Steam page, and I was like, oh, I guess you know you got early access because it it was said like it's not out yet. 
but it's like fully out just on but it's just fully on, out on netflix <laughs> just wow. on netflix like, yeah Netflix. I was gonna, I was gonna feature. ping you later to be like, this looks neat. I'd actually like to check it out, but I guess I'll just yeah, pull it out is. my fucking Netflix. It is. Yeah, we'll, we'll get into the roguelike dodgeball game. On hell on yeah. Monday. Uh, Bell writes in with a banger of a question. Hi, waypoint. Waypoint. Hi, waypoint crew. <laughs> in the interest of more video game related questions in the question bucket, I've been thinking a lot lately about the question. What's the worst video game you finished? For me, last year when Metroid Dread came out, I saw a lot of people trying to rehabilitate Other M's image, saying it wasn't that bad. It was actually a really great Metroid game. I was skeptical. It's a lie. So I decided to give it a try. And let me tell you, (laughs) it 100% deserves the reputation it has. <laughs> of yeah. course, we all know how terrible the writing Get is, how it infantilizes Samus and removes any agency she might have had, how her personality... Oh, oh, Samus. Oh, Samus. Oh, Samus, my favorite oh. Nintendo character. Oh, Samus. Samus. <laughs> ah. Samus Aaron. Uh, it, it removes any agency uh, she might have had, how her personality can be entirely summed up as baby and how adam <laughs> decides you're too weak to do the final level of the game and goes to do it for you what i didn't expect is just how terribly the game actually plays out it's quite possibly has the worst control scheme of any game i've ever played it's extremely linear yet somehow simultaneously i often found myself stuck and unsure where the game wanted me to go or what to do to progress and the game and the combat oscillates between mindless and frustrating difficult frustratingly difficult with little to no room in between and yet due to some sense to see it through to really understand the whole game i pushed myself to finish it it was not worth doing and i can say with certainty that it's the worst game i've ever finished so waypointers what's the worst game that you've ever seen the end of to understand it out of a sense of obligation out of pure spite or for any other reason bell Destiny 1. Whoa, we're going right there. How is that your answer? But also a burning love was kindled within you. Because I don't finish games that I don't like normally. But Destiny felt good enough that I like it carried me through just on the gunplay and just on how fun it was to shoot those guns. And like it's it was bad the campaign of destiny one was fucking horrible uh it's not worth playing ever even though if you wanted to you could boot up a ps3 like there's no need um there are things later in destiny one that were actually good there were some expansions that were really interesting the base campaign is absolute trash and i finished it mostly just because that's how you got through and leveled things up um and it wasn't even two level up. It was just like, I enjoy playing this game. Let's see where it goes. And it just went nowhere. Total, like... Total bust. Yeah, this is why, like, this is why it, it had that rep- reputation. Um, and then, you know, a few weeks into the game after, like, everyone had finished the campaign or decided to not finish the campaign because it was bad, the raid came out. And that's truly the only thing that kept me back on. I was like, oh... They're doing something special with those. And like I was like, well, I'll stick around for the like mechanical part of this. And also I'll read all of the grimoire. Yeah. Right. The yeah. only parts that had any good writing in them, really. 
Um, but as far as the base campaign of Destiny 1 goes, that has definitely got to be the worst thing that I've ever played to completion. Because usually when I, it's something is bad, I will simply not finish it. Like, I will... Mm. I, I eject quick, honestly. Sometimes maybe too quick. Uh, I don't know. I just, like, don't have a lot of patience with, like, poor starts. Unless someone says, like, no, but it's amazing. Like, truly amazing after... I might stick stick with something like that, but like it has to be on recommendation. And like, usually that means I trust the person and I agree with their <laughs> taste enough that it ends up being good. But yeah. Like much younger Patrick has really good answers for this, for whatever NES Super Nintendo games that I got stuck with that I didn't <laughs> want to play anymore. I don't know what those like nothing comes immediately to mind. Like I'm sure there are like when I went through like the the introduction to JRPG phase where I would just literally just go back to the family video. Cool. What's the ne- what's the next one? Like what's another 50 hours? Like I got it. Let's go. And so I played I played a lot of bad JRPGs um when I was 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 that age. Like as when I'm older uh, I mean, I do Duke Forever is probably pretty but, up there. That's a pretty shitty game that I played all the way to completion because I had to know like that was just out of obligation for having enjoyed Duke Nukem 3D so much as a kid. I was like, I just got to know what did they spend their time building? And it was not. Well, it wasn't good, but I, <laughs> but I, I still defeated that big enemy at the end of the football stadium and you kick him in the eye at the end. Uh, hmm. You say you finished those JRPGs as a kid? A lot of them. Probably not all of them, but a lot of them. Because <laughs> um, that's the other thing. Well, it's I, like, so much of it would be like based on can I return it and then my save still be there? Right. Maybe. And like right. I would give that like one chance. And if it didn't, if somebody erased it, then it's like I'm not going to start like Tecmo's Secret of the Seven Stars for the second <laughs> time. Like that was a bad game. I don't. I don't need to do that to myself again. <laughs> This is a hard question for me. I don't finish games I like. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's the thing. Like, it's. I can't like I have two answers. Uh, like. Probably the worst experience that I've like recent memories of was. Um, I was paid pretty well by Game Pro in its like dying days to review the shit out of a Lego MMO that they made. And there just wasn't like there was no reason for this thing to exist. Like it was um, it was it, like it was it was not fun the way the Lego games generally are. It was kind of trying to ape that. But like it's it, it's it's still like a fundamentally it's MMO. You walk up to things like you just sort of press attack and things go and eventually they, they explode in a little Lego blocks. And that's it. It might it could have been could have been any uh, like action RPG uh, type game. But with like Lego playset themed zones uh, and then little collectibles that the idea was that you can find little blueprints of Lego, you know, models that are out there in the world that you can assemble. And like it's one of those games where. Within about like 20 minutes, you know what's going on here, like, you know, Mm -hmm. like you're like, unless there's some major like curveballs coming. 
I know what the rest of this game is going to be. And the, I like, it's going to be incredibly monotonous. Cause just within these 20 minutes, like the experience is completely flat. Uh, and then I just had to like keep playing it and like see all the zones and like get more of those collectibles. Um, and it was, it was grim. It was like, a, it, cause I think the other part of it was, it was a game that was so desperate to like, it was a very unctuous game is the way I would put it. It was like, are we having fun? It's Lego. We love Legos. We're in Pirate Cove now. Lego Pirate Cove. Quick, go into the pirate castle and 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 bash the cannon till it explodes apart. And it was like, but you're you're. You, it's just an incredibly like joyless experience because there's not a single interesting mechanic going on. There's like it doesn't feel good, but it doesn't feel like anything. Uh, I'm I'm looking through like different message board threads where people have had this exact same discussion and a really good one beyond two souls. The, uh, the David cage, uh, game that (laughs) they they got ensued, uh, uh, for, for legitimate reasons. Um, that game is fucking trash, but it's so weird. And I'm always compelled. Like don't play David cage games, but you put one in front of me. I'm going to see it from start to finish. Because I have to, because so, they are so like, I cannot take my eyes. It's a car wreck. Um, and I have to see the car wreck. Like I have to see it from start to finish. And so beyond two souls is probably the one that tested me the most on, on that, but that had, Oh, who was the other actor? Uh, well, in that. Yes. Yes. That was like, it was like I got page and William Defoe, right? Yeah. Uh, yes. And uh, I had to see Defoe, like, from from start to finish. Okay. Uh, Along these lines uh, of, like, if you put a... I won't play them, but I'll put it... If you put it in front of me, right? Uh, I don't... I haven't played many uh, bad games to completion, but I have watched a lot of Let's Plays uh, of bad games to completion. Uh, And I think that... Oh, God, I'm trying to remember the worst one I watched. There is a Wii JRPG, the name of which is slipping my mind, that I watched like a 90-part Let's Play of that was just fucking miserable the entire time. On was the every person level. having fun? Vaguely. I mean, there were it was a group of people. Uh, this, mm. So when I say I watch Let's Play, I mean specifically like the something awful style of Let's Play where you have like three or four, like b- between two and three commentators over a single player game. Okay, that's see that makes a little more sense that you you could muddle through it because if it was just you're not having a good time and this one person's not having a good time, then you then you're transitioning into a pseudo podcast territory. Of just, <laughs> it's just people talking while they're playing a game, right? Right, and the, which which is enjoyable. It's yeah, fun, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I've 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 I have seen other people hit credits on on a lot of trash. That RPG that I cannot remember the name of stands out. I mean. I've I've seen Daikatana. Pretty sure I beat that. Rob, did you, did you do that one out of obligation for Romero? No, I didn't. No, you I couldn't do it. Pretty sure it. I did that one. Um, I did. I, I talked about this when we, when we that we were talking about uh, Grand Tactician Civil War, but um, I did play through the full campaign of uh, American Civil War, which was a disastrous. Uh, like basically you know, trying to make a grand strategy game in the style of what would become total war, but trying to do that in like 1995, uh, complete disaster, but I bought it on the strength mm-hmm. of the preview. 
and was like, it'll be every, it'll be what's good about every type of war game and strategy game ever made, all rolled into one. This can't possibly miss. Uh, and yeah, it, that was a that was a rude awakening where like there there the obligation was this is my game for the summer. This is my birthday game. Mm-hmm. It's got to be good. Let's go. Yeah. And that's what I mean by there are so many, there are countless games that I just cannot remember from like that era in my life that I, I did that, you know, like, okay, this is the game I rented for the weekend. It sucks. Time to play it for 30 hours. <laughs> yeah. my parents, I, just can't, I just can't remember. My parents were very strict on the amount of time. And so rentals were always like a mm. double edged sword of like, well, I'm only really going to have like three hours or whatever. <laughs> um, yeah. So the only things I ever played to like, full completion as a, as a child were definitely things that I got for Christmas and birthday. Like, cause the rentals were like, I don't know. It'll be fun for a little bit, but I'm not going to get through it <laughs> ever. <laughs> yeah. Uh, watchdogs also beat that. Didn't need to do that. No. But you know what? It was set in Chicago. What am I supposed to do? Yeah. Nestled in the in the mountains of the Midwest. Oh my Chicago. god! Don't get me started on the geography of that game. But that that's when I finished. I finished because it was just so novel that you know uh, that that game was set in a in a city I, I was uh, at you least can't familiar be, with. It doesn't get much more like you're dragging my hometown than like they're like you just need a better skybox. Sorry, <laughs> your your city's hideous. Like this is like damn, you live like this. Did you know there's farmland just right outside of the downtown? Watchdogs does. Uh, God, what a weird. Uh, all right, so this is just a this is a fun story. Uh, Stephen from Dublin, Ireland writes. Hi, all the recent podcast discussions about Warhammer reminded me of my trip to Warhammer World in Nottingham, uh, England, a few years ago, and how it led to one of the most video games and real life experiences I've ever had. I'm a lapsed Warhammer fan, uh, having had a brief but formative 40k phase when I was around 11 years old. It lasted until I was about 13 years old. So while my Warhammer days are two decades behind me, I do have a lingering affection for it and couldn't resist when I was visiting a friend in Nottingham, the home of Games Workshop, and they suggested we visit the flagship Warhammer World Museum and Store. The museum itself is a pretty impressive thing, full of extravagant, detail-rich dioramas of various scenarios and characters from from throughout Warhammer lore. But the real treasure was one particular cavernous room containing the museum's centerpiece exhibit, the Battle for Angelus Prime, the self-described largest display board Games Workshop has ever created. This is a huge battle scene featuring thousands of miniatures. It's a real spectacle, with viewers able to walk freely around the perimeter and elevated areas of the room so you can look, look at this extraordinary battle scene from above. But what caught our attention and consumed our attention was the Great Assassin Hunt, a hidden object challenge within the display. Basically, there's a single assassin miniature hidden somewhere in the sprawling scene. It's moved regularly by staff, and the first person to spot it gets an assassin mini of their own to take home. Suffice to say, we spent upwards of an hour searching the diorama for the assassin as we were determined to leave with a miniature of our own. It was incredibly compelling scanning this massive expanse for one solitary figure. Alas, we had no joy. Talking to the staff afterwards, they claimed that the assassin is often only spotted uh, weeks after it was moved to a particular spot. This sounds preposterous, but after spending too much time staring at the display, 
I'm inclined to believe that this is possible, or at least a clever myth designed to have visitors appreciate the grandeur of the battle for Angelus Prime in all its detail. What struck me about this particular experience was how much it reminded me of a certain feeling in video games when you're walking around hoping for the RNG gods to be in your favor so you get the one last item you need or searching the fi- for searching for the final collectible across a particular map when you're increasingly convinced you've searched every possible location for the thing. Have any of you had such an experience in real life? Many thanks for indulging this anecdote and long may you all slurp from the question bucket. This display sounds awesome. Uh, yeah. Almost well, as cool as those uh, dioramas from the Halo Three campaign. <laughs> <laughs> One of my favorite places to go when I was uh, in the in the the mall that we uh, grew up next to uh, was to go to the games workshop, like shop. Not because I was at all interested in like doing my own miniatures, but just they had the sprawling tabletops that you could just sit and like play with all the little toys. And so like that would that, that was next to the Sabaro, and so we would get <laughs> our shitty pizza and then put our greasy teenage hands on the <laughs> on the miniatures. They would let you workshop. touch them. <laughs> they had ones that were like clearly meant for like people to fuck around with. Yeah, I once I spent mean, a long day hunting for a very particular uh, classical Greek to English lexicon, uh, and t- <laughs> let me tell you, those are hard to find. But once once I did. Uh, that was a that was a magical moment. Like at a place or like on the internet? Where where are you searching for this lexicon? Uh, in in Chicago. Um, so I was going to different bookstores trying to trying to dig this thing up. Um, uh. and yeah, uh, like that that was a like surely this place will have it. They've got a good classics department. No, they don't have it. Uh, I I basically searched like every book sh- bookstore uh near like the University of Chicago campus, etc. Um. Yeah, and and then and then of course of all places, uh, the last place I looked toward the end of that day uh, was on Michigan Avenue. I want to say I went to the Borders on Michigan Avenue, and of course they just mm-hmm. had it. They just had it. Incredible. Like it had been through like four or five like specialty academic bookstores that were packed with like stuff, and then Borders just we didn't know how good we had it. Basically, wow. Borders. Wow, Borders. Wow. I f- uh, oh, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, I feel like I've done this a few times for, like, games, but I can't remember any specific ones. But, like, basically it would be, like, hit up all the stores at the mall that would have them. The EB games would always be out first, obviously, because that's where all the gamers went. But then there's, like, other places that just carry video games, and you just, like... See which one, but like it would sometimes it would like take like, all right, I'm hopping like four different stores until I can find the one that actually carries the thing that I'm looking for. Um, that's I feel like that's the closest time that it's been to like, well, I'm just hoping I'm I'm like not even looking into like I'm not calling people because it's all within walking distance. You kind of make a, you know, you make a day of it. <laughs> I mean, that was the Home Depot skeleton. For right. Yeah, that, right. That took me, that, that took me a, a full three years of just... <laughs> I could just walk in and see, see cross have it. my fingers. I mean, I, it was funny because they, uh, as we uh, have been recording, Home Depot put up a bunch more that you could order online. Those poor motherfuckers aren't going to get it till end of October. Wow. Um, so, I mean, that's unfortunate, you know. But, you know, fortunately, your own Jackson Bones can be up all all, uh, all year long, uh, like mine will be. Or as I break to each <laughs> of my neighbors who ask, where are you going to put that? Mm, well, we're lucky we don't have an HOA. 
because no one can tell me what to do with that skeleton. <laughs> um, and, uh, but it, it was truly like, I, I like the, 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 the day that I ran into that one was just, all right, well, it's a Friday. It's 11 a.m. I'll, I'll just walk in. And then was, I think mean, part of what's funny is like when you are presented with the RNG and it drops for you, yeah. what do you do? Yeah. You're like, oh shit, I didn't clear out the car to put all these <laughs> pieces in here. Um, so that, yeah, that's, 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 that's the closest uh, for me. And I got, I, like Rob, mine was, mine was fulfilled. My, the, the, the loot dropped in my favor at some point. Patrick. Yeah. Order a second one. Then you order a regular size one. Nativity I thought scene about, done. Christmas, I've already purchased Christmas so, skeleton confession. nativity scene. <laughs> confession. I am now, let me look up the exact <laughs> group. There's a bunch of them. It doesn't Excuse- matter. I am now part of a um, Facebook group uh, uh-huh. that is exclusively mm-hmm. for 12-foot skeleton <laughs> owners. Inc- incredible. Uh, you wait, are stronger in, than any person I've ever met. In a certain area? Or is this like no, across the there states? No, there are. Well, there's you, you go, if you search it, it's like you can get. I think there are. You can get regional. This is more just. Thousands of people. You're in yeah. the Skaluminati. Uh, and what's it was actually what's delightful about it is like I, I I've wanted to buy more stuff like to set up a scene or whatever, and I just needed there's just too much Halloween shit to buy, and like I couldn't settle on anything. I was like, I'm gonna I was like, I'm gonna join this group, uh, and then get some ideas. And actually, while while you were talking about a strategy game, I ordered 120 dollars worth of stuff on. Uh, for the for the yard, so it it it, it, it paid off. Uh, uh, I can't I cannot justify spending getting another big one. And actually, what I would want is smaller ones. And so my my hope is towards the end of October, like just buying an art like a like a, a skeleton that like can be articulated in a bunch of directions. Like mm-hmm. the price starts at fifty bucks. Like it's not cheap, but those go on sale like crazy at the end of the month where like they just want to get rid of these things. So I'm hoping that I can, especially given that it's going to be an all year round thing. I'm hoping I can scoop up a bunch of fun Halloween stuff when people are offloading it uh, to expand the, the one that I did really want to get was 220 bucks. I could not, I could not justify it, but it was two skeletons who are transporting a casket full of other skeletons. And I was like, Oh, that would, that would be good. I, w- I would like that. And I, Oh, I really going to leave this year. up all year. The current plan is, uh, this was, this actually was discussed in front of a bunch of neighbors as we, I was working it out myself, was that, you know, it went up in September, so I can cruise to the end of October. Thanksgiving, you know, a clear holiday theme that I can work on there. December, clear holiday theme I can work on. And then the question is, you know, do I, do I, do I move the skeleton for January, February? Or you just, I don't know, like, Valentine's Day, like St. Patrick's Day, like, like it, it, it comes pretty quickly on on your ability to to dress them up. And that's partially what I need the group for is I want to know people actually link to here are things that fit. Here's how we attached it. And so like that's part of what I got Incredible. was somebody linked to a Amazing. bulb that uh, I don't have it in front of me. I'll, I'll send it after we finish recording. But it's like this very specific bulb that you can just tie with, with uh uh pretty easily to like this one bone on it and it creates this like flame look in its chest that looks fucking cool as hell um so people link exactly like here's what to buy here's how i did it and so 
Um, I'm just stealing all their ideas. Like, how do you buy a a Christmas hat that's big enough for your skeleton? Well, you you buy it here. So uh, there I go. Man, some some novelty shop owners gonna be making bank off that group. They're infiltrated. Like, oh, I just hundred oh, percent. Uh, good news, gang! I happen to find another <laughs> uh, place that sources these uh the, the these giant novelty. This very cool Etsy green. shop just yeah. seems to be making. I found yeah. ten cool capes. Ten ten foot cool capes. You can get them. <laughs> you can get them right here. Uh, all right. I think we will. We we can call it a wrap on on that episode of Waypoint Radio. If you want more from Waypoint, you can follow us on Twitter at Waypoint, Facebook and YouTube Waypoint Vice. You know, if you can follow me on Twitter at Rob Zachney. Uh, Ricardo, where can people follow you? At a underscore Cotto underscore appears. Patrick. At Patrick Klupik, and we have picked the new um episode of My Turn. Cotto won. Escape from New York also won. <laughs> so we'll be recording Woo! that. We'll be publishing sometime in the next week or two. Maybe we all won. I, I that's we, that's how I like to put it. I haven't seen that movie since I was a kid, so I don't remember anything about it. I um, technically watched it once, but I think I was too drunk. I don't remember anything. <laughs> wait, wait. Was that was I also there? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> No, 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 no! I wasn't too drunk. I was, I was making you sure that Kata was, was too drunk. <laughs> I was making sure that I was there for when Kata watched it. Yes. Uh, okay. Yep. Did do not remember any of it. So this is really then you're set. You're perfectly set yeah, up for exactly. watch. <laughs> it's gonna be great. Um, Ideal. I'm excited. Uh, you also check out we've published on Waypoint. Where can we file Ren? Oh, I was already moving on to the. Uh, wow. Her article. Wow. Ren, where can people fi- find you and where can people read your article about Terra Invicta? You can follow me on Twitter at Renner Raven. Uh, and I guess you can find my writing at waypoint.zone uh, if, you, if you want if you want to. If people <laughs> want to find what I do, you can do so at waypoint.zone. Um, and why wouldn't you? You can find articles about Terra Invicta. <laughs> Maybe and then you can keep hey. you can keep abreast of that uh, as as Ren does the recon that you'll need to understand what's going on in that game. I looked up the space combat during this podcast, and you do have to send individual like. Could you turn thirty degrees to the left and then boost? We're up gonna here slingshot to- you. Oh We're gonna gravity assist yes. you. Oh my fleet. Fuck Amazing. off. Yes. It's yes. Incredible. Yes. Um, do we know who pays for Waypoint Zone? Does Vice pay for that? Is that a Vice? URL because in my brain how slender a thread we all hang by (laughs) in my my mind Austin Walker is paying for this URL (laughs) speaking of slender threads uh, thanks to Waypoint Plus uh, we've been been continuing our streaming adventures obviously we've been uh, Natalie and I have been playing some System Shock and when you uh, listen to this podcast we might be streaming more System Shock uh, as as you are listening to this. Uh, Kato and I had another. You know what? I'm going to say it was triumphant. We had another triumphant motorsport. It was. Stream. It was another first place Admittedly, finish. The, the, the character we controlled most directly uh, did not thrive uh, as much as the character. His form who, was at, at a point. Yeah, that dude, eight that dude at one sucks. Point. Fuck no, that little. Sucked. It's fine. Yeah, it's not yeah, our fault. We we didn't forget to. <laughs> 
No, what earlier. happened to him was not our fault. <laughs> uh, you you can check the tape, and uh, I think you'll find it was it was definitely not our fault. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, soon we'll be we'll be uh, streaming about uh, Escape from New York. But this week, uh, Waypoint Plus listeners also get access to. Uh, a very cool episode of Manhunting. Uh, Austin, Dia, Alex, and myself really, really dug into Collateral. And uh, Austin and Dia, like, really tag-teamed one of the weirdest details in Collateral and figured out some just wild character development work uh, that, is, that is done uh, basically via set decoration in that game, in that in that movie. So So be sure to check that out. Uh, that sounds good. If you just want more Waypoint, you can go to waypointplus.com and subscribe. Not only do you get access to our premium feed, but you're also helping support Waypoint and everything else we do here. If you just want to show support, uh, if you just want to show uh, your Waypoint style, you can go to waypointgeneralstore.com and buy some of our fine Waypoint merch. Mugs, posters, pint glasses. We got everything you could possibly need. Our theme music is by Bowen. The track is Miss You off the EP Pale Machine. Learn more at waypoint.zone slash B-O-E-N. For now, we are calling time on this week. We'll talk to you again next week. Until then, fuck capitalism. Go home. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.